Thank you for tuning in to the podcast ministry of Broad Street United Methodist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. We offer our sermons here as a resource, a conversation starter, and a guide towards the life that Jesus calls us to. Join us weekly for a sermon from the clergy and visit us online at broadstreetumc.org for more information. Let's tune in to today's sermon. you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. I'm reading from Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 20. Meanwhile Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and through his and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tessaurus named Paul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I hope that we can come into a consensus and, and perhaps even full agreement on two things um, about Saul. The first is, and I know there's always one person out there who's going to vote differently than everybody else, but for almost all of us, I think we can agree 
As uh, Cindy said, Paul, no, Saul, going to need a name change. Saul was a mean man, a vile man, a violent man. The author Luke describes his nature as breathing murderous threats. I mean, even someone filled with hatred would have turned to Saul and said, dude, you need to chill just a little bit. Every single breath is, I'm going to kill the Christians. I'm going to find them. I'm going to hunt them down. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. Every thought, every breath was in that regard. So can we agree that Saul was a vicious man? There's another component to it, and the two go together, and, and I'm imagining that a lot of people don't put the two together, but it's important that we do. The other side that we have to connect in our minds is that Saul was a very devout, religious man. He was one who was completely devoted with everything he had to wanting to, to serve God, for wanting what God wants in the world to happen and to give himself as a, as a divine mercenary to be able to take care of the things that, that he was sure God needed him to take care of. He even went to the religious authorities the Sanhedrin, to get a, a writ that he could carry with him and to show to any of the authorities anywhere that he was given license to kill any person of faith who happened to be a believer in Christ. The religious authorities gave him authorization and encouragement and documentation to go and to be violent He was very mean. He was very religious and devoted to God. But I think that we can also agree that he was in absolutely no way like Jesus. Which is why when the heavens opened and the risen Christ spoke to him, that he replied, I do not know who you are, Lord. <laughs> and with divine insight, of course, the risen Christ spoke to Saul and said, you're persecuting me. You, th you thought when uh, you uh, initiated the, the stoning and the death of Stephen, you, you thought you were persecuting him, but you... You're persecuting me. And as you're headed to Damascus to try to find the other Christians that are multiplying there, you, you think you're going after them, Saul, but you are trying to find me. Saul just could not shake it as, as, he, was, as he was delighting in watching Stephen be stoned to death, just pounded just a, a mound of stones under, underneath which blood was, was coming out. In the midst of delighting in that, he was hearing Stephen pray for him. Christ Jesus, 
forgive him because he does not know. You know, uh, those who uh, keep statistics, and, and we've had a group of people who have been keeping statistics on religious growth, the development of the church for 150 years. And across 150 years, as they charted sort of increases, decreases, what's happening in the church, about seven, eight years ago, there was a drop off in people's interest in being involved in a church, the largest drop in history. That was before the quarantine. I don't know about you, but as the people who profess to be part of the church were on the airwaves, were on social media, were um, on television, were on cable, the vast majority of what I heard was religious people. And I'm thinking that tremendous drop-off of people of having interest in the church had to do with well, a whole lot of people, especially young people, who have no interest in being religious. And I could even declare that they were even faithful and Christ-like by refusing to be a part of churches that were focused on being religious. Hard to differentiate between the culture and the church. What's going on in, in, the, in the elections? What's going on in political parties? What's going on in the way of our culture of, of being reviled, of being uh, provoked, of being in fear all of the time? I think those people were looking for something else. You know, across uh, Holy Week, we had uh, eight days nine services, we were um, going day by day by day by day, and it was one of those many services that just continued one after another where we had a passage from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, where the passage was, let us provoke one another to do particular things. And I, I, they did not quite go together, these things that we were supposed to provoke to do. So I, I, uh, I, I, I had to go back and, and go back to the original text and go to the original Greek and, and to bring out all the study materials that I had to look at this word, prokaleomai. And what we are called to do, this author of Hebrews speak to, speaks to us on behalf of God, is to provoke one another. It, it means confront. It means agitate. It means incite. It is um, always, always associated with anger in the midst of the various places it's used in Scripture. And here it says, provoke one another to love and good deeds. It's almost as if God is saying, you are so incredibly gifted, humanity, at being able to provoke one another, being able to put a finger in each other's chest, of, of inciting one another, of challenging one another to a duel, of doing everything you can to create division and separation. I'm calling for you to do something with just as much fuel 
just as much naturalness to do it so much that it becomes as easy to you as it is provoking one another into challenges, but instead to provoke one another into love, <laughs> into good deeds. In the midst of uh, preaching that passage, it was as if the Holy Spirit was saying, this is the message for Broad Street. This is the main goal. This is the main objective for the next three years. That's the only thing we need to work on is to provoke one another into love and into good deeds. So, I've come up with an acronym. I know acronyms are hokey, but uh, sometimes it helps you to remember. So I'm going to give you an acronym, IRE. You know what IRE is? IRE means to provoke, literally. That's the definition. So IRE stands for intentional, relational engagement. I-R-E, intentional, relational engagement. That's our mission for the next three years. That's all we need to focus on. Yes, there'll be other goals and objectives, other things that we want to be a part of. But over top of it all, we want to be more involved, more connected with God than we were before. We want to be more connected with one another than we were before. We want to be more connected with people in the community than we ever were before. Isn't that what it is to be a disciple? The disciples may have just been okay to just worship Jesus, share accolades with Jesus, to say, oh, you're wonderful. Jesus didn't want that. Jesus said, follow me. Come with me. I need you to learn from me. Isn't that what a, a coach does? What, what a, what's your best teacher that you ever had did for you? They challenged you. They provoked you. They said, I heard you say that you want to be better at this particular thing. And I know there are times when you get tired and you may just want to take a rest. But I will not let that be. I am here for you to let you know that you can do more. You know it. I know it. And I'm going to continue to provoke you, <laughs> to incite excellence within you. And so for the next three years, I, I just want to cast that vision for us to be intentional about what we do, to move from membership into discipleship, to get real with one another. Isn't that why you're here? I mean, you, you maybe you got cajoled into coming this morning. Maybe... Um, you aren't quite awake. Maybe you've just all you can take to get past getting all the kids ready and you're not even sure what's going on that you're here. But the reason you're here, isn't it? It's because you want God to be at work in you and the people around you and for us to be an amazing people of God at work making a difference in this community. And so... The passages over the next couple of weeks, they're all going to be coming from the book of Acts. It's really the acts of the Holy Spirit that are at work in people to be able to, to do amazing things. Um, 
I was away last Sunday. Thank you, Rob, <laughs> for helping while I was away. And I, I saw that um, in the broad focus that uh, came out this week, digital, by the way, I don't know if all of you got it or not, but it was uh, announced that, uh, that I uh, have been announced as returning uh, for the next year here at Broad Street. From my perspective, it's not me returning, it's me beginning. You know, when I arrived, it was in the midst of the quarantine. When I uh, got to meet you all, it was all behind the veil, uh, just trying to learn everyone by, by your eyes. And, um, and then I was given the opportunity to come and help with some with some things that needed to be dealt with here. And um, I don't know if they were things of the world or if they were just religious things. But can we agree that they had very little to do with Jesus? And, and we declared five months ago that when we got to Easter and into the Easter season, what we would be doing from this point on is to declare the new church. We would be dreaming a church anew. We would be calling upon one another, inspiring one another, encouraging one another, cajoling one another, yes, even provoking one another to be more faithful in our relationships to God, to one another, and to our community. And so I'm going to invite us all to dream a new church. There is... Um, a microphone on a stand down here and um, it's going to be here over the next weeks ahead and I'm going to give you an assignment at the end of the service to, to think about things to do in the community this week in order that as you come in each Sunday there'll be an open microphone here for you to share about what you've found and what you've discovered but what I'm calling upon you to do is is what Jesus invited the disciples to do when they were in the upper room and he blew his breath upon them. When he said to them, you will do greater things, greater things than me. Because the Spirit is with you. And upon you, the Spirit is at work. What it calls on us to do and to be is, is to be more accountable to have higher expectations of one another. It seems to me that we should be in the midst of this Methodist. <laughs> it's what John Wesley talked about. The reason he believed that we were raised up among all the other branches of, of the Christian faith. That is to, to increase in our sanctification. So that at the end of every particular year we would be able to look back upon it. And to be able to say with absolute certainty. I am a a better person. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Not according to me, but according to God. I am a better person than I was a year ago. I have grown as a Christian. I have grown as a person of faith. I have grown in love. I have grown in service. We should be able to sit in a, a jury of our peers, a circle of friends who we can say, I've grown this year and these are the reasons why and these are the things that happen. We have to be willing to be a part of a community that's going to love one another, encourage one another into greater things for the cause of Christ because of the greater love that is coming to us because of a more and more deep encounter 
with the risen Christ in our lives. I believe it was Catherine of Siena. My memory is not great when it comes to things of the medieval era. But she said, do you want to you see the ire of the world? You want to see fire coming out of their nostrils? You want to see vile hatred? Love everybody. Nothing will make the world more furious than that. There are people you are supposed to hate. There are people you are supposed to not include. There are people that you are not to keep among your group of friends. Want to see ire? Love. Everybody alive. Someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other. Someone wants to sue you for the very shirt off your back, give them your cloak as well. Someone wants to uh, harm you, pray for them. <laughs> and if they hate you and they revile you, Jesus said, give thanks to God because they did the same for me. They'll come after you for, for loving the way that the, the world has never seen and can never know on its own. If you even think a bad thought about someone, it says, if you've already committed murder, Jesus taught us. And so I'm going to invite us to uh, dream a church anew. One that's real. Where we can get real and be real with one another and help each other to grow and to be the people of God as this church has not seen in generations. It's for such a time as this. And it is us that Jesus has called. When uh, Jesus was... Uh, having a, a meal with his disciples. The Passover was coming. They were still fighting, still provoking one another up to the very end. And Jesus came to the table. And he loved them. And he blessed them. And he told him it was a good thing that he was going to be departing because the Holy Spirit was coming upon them more than they could ever imagine. In a moment, I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to invite you to um, be involved in some holy conversations and to do it right here in the congregation. I'm going to, uh, not now, but just in a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand and look for a person across the aisle. Those of you who are over here, you're looking for somebody over there. Those of you on this side, you're looking for somebody over there. Those in the middle, you're looking for someone in between. And I want you to move and have a conversation and simply ask the question, how can we, how can this church specifically, what can we do to encourage growing in love, growing in good deeds 
and helping every single person to be encouraged to do that, to be provoked to do that so that love and good deeds are so natural to us. Before we do, we want to consecrate these elements. And I uh, invite you uh, to turn in your bulletin. I believe it's 2257 in the small hymnal. And before we do, I want to share a prayer and ask you to join with me at the conclusion of the prayer. Lord, interrupt our lives. Provoke us into church. Awaken us into your possibilities. Surprise us and open us to new directions. Transform our hearts and our minds as we listen to the Spirit, as we are at work for you anew in the weeks ahead. This prayer we seal, saying together, the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We are so grateful you took the time to listen to our podcast ministry, and we hope you found the sermon meaningful, inspiring, and thought-provoking. To explore our ministry offerings or to give to support this podcast ministry, please visit www.broadstreetumc.org to get plugged in. This podcast was produced by Rob Lee, a member of Broad Street United Methodist Church, and copyright all rights reserved. Peace be with you, and God bless.